0: Well, last week, Caitlin opened up our new series on the in-between. You know, all of us are in an in-between at different times in our lives. And uh, she talked about how God is in the middle of that journey and how he's the God of transitional miracles. So if you missed that message, definitely go back on our YouTube channel. Check that out. And I just want to say to everyone joining online, just so glad to have you as well in the house today. Well, today I've titled my message, Make the Shift. So we're in the in between. We need to make a shift. So after the Holy, after the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, the church started to explode in numbers. So this is in Acts. The church started to explode in numbers. People were coming to faith in Jesus, left, right, and center. And churches were being established and popping up all over the place. No, it was spraying like wildfire through the area. This new, that the church, the people, the followers of Jesus, um, in Acts. With all of this, the disciples and original Christ followers, were they had to really be on their toes and ready to shift and change and adapt and rethink their roles all the way along because things were moving so quickly. They couldn't just stay planted in how they'd been operating the whole time because there's just way too many people coming to know Jesus that they had to continually adapt. We can see this as being true in Paul's many layers to the church you know even even in his missional journeys we see how paul was speaking into different churches into different individuals lives making trips to go and encourage and, and build up the church in different areas but this morning i'd actually like to zero in on paul and timothy but before we do let's pray lord jesus we thank you for your word we thank you that you are truth that What's written in your word, Jesus, we know to be true and that we can trust it, Jesus. So God, as, as we get into the word this morning, as we get into this message, we just ask that you'd be speaking to each one of us individually, that we would just get something personal from you this morning, myself included even, Jesus, that as we unpack this, as we look at things, um, you would just really show us where you are in the in-between and how uh, you want to help us move forward. This morning, so God, we just give you glory. We honor your word in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, Paul to me, he would be like a powerhouse church leader. You know, someone that everyone knows. You know, he wrote books. He promoted his books. He sent them out all over the place. He'd be kind of like a Craig Rochelle or a Stephen Furtick nowadays, right? Like everyone knows. Lots of people know who that is. Big name. Someone said Paul's coming to town. Everyone be like, I'm there. I want to be there. If Paul, if he was here today, I'd I'd be wherever he is. Sorry, guys, but <laughs> I'd want to I'd want to hear him speak because he's such he was such an amazing church leader in that day and age. You know, these ch- kind of church leaders they have huge followings. They have the ability to speak into many people's lives, and it's amazing. But as Paul got older and wiser, we can see how he shifted from being the guy that everyone you know, wanted to come to their event or wanted to, or would like, be like, come to our church, come to our church. He shifted from that to pouring into other ministries and individuals and empowering them to do the work of the ministry. I imagine Paul at points in his life would have asked questions um, about what he was doing in the church and asked prayerfully asking questions about what's my role and I think even for us, some of these questions I'm going to list could be really good for us to consider um, as just members of the church. So what does my role in the church look like today? What does my role look like today in God's church? What is Jesus asking me to do today in my present situations? And what purpose has Jesus put in front of me that I can, be, that I can fulfill with him? These are good questions to ask, and I think these were questions that Paul was likely asking all the time, just considering the the magnitude of what was going on in the early church. So as I stated, Paul recognized that one of his main roles was to mentor and train up leaders in churches across the Roman Empire, and this is where Timothy comes in. We first see Timothy's name pop up in Acts 16, when Paul is going on his second missionary journey. In Acts 16.2, it describes Timothy as one who was well thought of by the believers in Lystra and Iconium. Those are interesting town names. In Lystra and Iconium. So naturally, Paul asked him to join their journey because he was well thought of by the believers in those areas. You know, it'd be kind of like scouts going to a baseball game, you know. They come to the game, they're watching the plays, they're watching the players, and they're going... That guy right there, or that girl right there, I want them on my team. Those are the good ones. Those are the ones I want to come with me. They can see the potential in the person, they can see the potential in what they could become. Paul's relationship with Timothy turned into something special, though. As Paul worked with Timothy, it became evident that Timothy was someone Paul wanted to pour everything into he could. Again, like in baseball, it'd be like when you've been scouted and drafted to a team and everything. They start working the plays. They start doing their their training exercises and everything, getting their feet on the ground a bit. And then the coach starts assessing all the players that he had drafted to the team. And he goes, that one's really special, though. That one's going to get extra attention. That one's going to get my everything because I believe he can go all the way. So that's what Paul did with Timothy. He recognized what was on Timothy's life. He recognized the leadership capability of Timothy and was like, I want him to get everything I can from me put onto him so that he can be all that he can be. Now, in the Bible, there's only four letters from Paul that are actually addressed to individuals. It's First and Second Timothy, Titus, and Philemon. And looking at these letters, or these books in the Bible, though, it's very clear that there is a different level of relationship between Paul and Timothy. So I want to check out 2 Timothy 2, 1 to 7 this morning. I'm going to be reading from the English Standard Version this morning. As Paul was writing this letter, he was nearing death. You know, his time was coming close to an end. He was likely writing it from a jail cell, and uh, his time was almost up. So he wanted to give Timothy some last bits of encouragement and direction before he went. He needed to make he, need, he knew he needed to make a shift and that he was in the in-between. Paul was between you know, what was and the future glory of you know, death when he goes to meet Jesus in heaven. And he wanted to ensure that the main things stayed the main things after he died. So he was giving Timothy the direction of keep the main things the main things. Don't get distracted. Keep focused on the mission. So with Paul being near death, Timothy was going to become one of the next pillars of faith. So he was, So Timothy, he was also in the in-between. You got two people in in-betweens. One, Paul was transitioning out, and Timothy was transitioning up from one level of leadership to another. So 2 Timothy 2, 1-7 to says, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So you can see the relationship between Paul and Timothy right off the bat, that this was something special. He referred to Timothy as my child, or in other translations it says my dear son. He, he viewed him as a father would view their child. You know, me as a dad, I want to see my kids excel in everything they do. I want to see them live good, godly lives, following Jesus wholeheartedly and having success in everything they do. This is how Paul viewed Timothy. He cared for him like a father cares for his kids. It was very personal. In verse 1, though, Paul begins by encouraging Timothy, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So this is the first thing that Paul put emphasis on in the passage, and this is my first point. Be strengthened by grace. Grace is the innate power of God working within us. It's by grace we are even saved to begin with. So being before anything else, we need to recognize that the grace of God is active in our lives. Now, grace is not some fluffy thing. It's way more than having mercy on someone or just being kind to them. And grace is certainly more than saying a prayer at a mealtime. You know, you go sit down and someone says, can you say grace? Well, <laughs> grace is a lot more than that. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, when Paul was asking for the thorn in his flesh to be taken away from him, the revelation from God was, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Grace is power. Grace is the innate power of God, his Holy Spirit working in and through us. So the grace of Jesus empowers us to face everything life throws at us. Let's not lose sight of the gift of grace. And I believe that's why Paul put that right at the beginning so that Timothy gets that reminder. Hey, don't forget you have the grace of God on your life. Don't forget, don't be discouraged. You know, even as the verse that Caitlin was giving the grads, don't be discouraged. You have the grace of God active in your life. Go for it. Without God's grace in our lives, we really do have nothing. We got no power. We got no nothing, to, no juice to pull from. So verse 2 says, What you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So my second point is to pass it on to trustworthy people. So we have grace, but we need to pass on everything we've learned to trustworthy people. Paul's instruction here is to be selective on who we are really pouring time into. Just like the scouts are selective in who they pour their time into in baseball, same thing for us, we need to be selective on who it is we're pouring our time into. Who are the ones that we can see that are gonna carry the torch? Who are the ones that we can see that are gonna rise to a whole different level? This doesn't mean that we should exclude people, just to be clear, or to be only reaching certain individuals. He's talking about a direct life-on-life style of mentorship or discipleship, where just as Paul was transferring everything he had to Timothy, that Timothy would also do that to the ones that he was mentoring and discipling, that there would be a transition from Paul to Timothy and from Timothy to the next. Just like, you know, me and Caitlin, we might be pouring into one set of people, but the intention isn't for it to stop there, because then there's no follow-through. It needs to go from that next person to the next, and that person to the next, and this flow of trustworthy people to carry the message forward. No, even with the ordination, it was kind of neat. Um, we met with Werner Drost from Smythe Street Church and Ken Parker all on Zoom, and um, he was talking about how, um, you know, when when they do the laying on of hands in an ordination, you know, the ones that laid hands on them were laid on hands by the ones before them and before them. And Werner Dross made the comment that if you were to trace it back through every single pastor that was ordained by the laying on of hands, it should go all the way back to Jesus, laying hands on those first disciples. That's an amazing thought. That's an amazing blessing. And that's that's the same kind of thing that we want to put onto different individuals in the church here, that that same level of authority, that same level of of power would just rest on different individuals so that they can bring it forward for next generations as well. Sorry, that was totally off my notes. This is the simplicity of multiplication in the church. This is how the church grew so rapidly in those early years. It was that life-on-life discipleship, that life-on-life mentorship to trustworthy people that caused it to just explode where, you know, if, if we saw that, if we truly saw that level of multiplication happening here, this building would not fit us for very long at all. I mean, they had 5,000 people in one day. So, <laughs> come on, church, let's have faith for that. Now, what kind of people should we be looking for? What makes a trustworthy person? So, I need that slot, next slide put up before I say it or you're going to get offended. We need to find the fat person. <laughs> Someone who's faithful available, and teachable, okay? We need someone who's faithful, available, and teachable. That's a trustworthy person. Faithful. Does the person show up regularly and communicate well? Are they committed to what they signed up to do? The very first time that me and Caitlin had to have a meeting here with Ken once we landed, and he called a meeting for 9 o'clock in the morning, he was sitting there in his kitchen watching the clock waiting to see if we would be early on time or late <laughs> because he wanted to know what kind of people we were. Well, we were early and I guess that was the right choice. <laughs> are we showing up when we say that we're going to show up? Are we faithful? Are we available? You know, are these are the kind of people that make themselves available whenever they can to be used in the kingdom. You know, you sh- any t- time there's an opportunity to come, you do your best to make it there. You try and make yourself available. You know, if if you hear something happening, you go, that's me. I want to be in as much as I can be. I'm going to be there. And that's available. This is about having a joyful, willing spirit to serve Jesus in whatever capacity we can. And being available looks different to all kinds of people. You know, some of us have jobs that call us to travel a lot. Some of us have jobs that call us to a very locked in schedule and stuff like that but outside of all of that how are you being available you no know, maybe it's a call to prayer maybe it's a call to you know the once a week helping at youth or at kids club or you know those extra practices for worship or whatever it could look like what is Jesus calling you to do and how are you making yourself available maybe it's just saying yes to talking to the neighbor across the street and getting to know their story sharing a little Jesus with them when you have the opportunity and finally teachable do they dece- do they deceive no do they receive receive direction and correction when needed a willingness to learn and be stretched now when i was a painter we would occasionally hire new people a new staff to come and paint with us and it became very evident really quickly if they were a teachable person or not now, the teachable person, they would move up quickly. They'd go from sanding to cutting in to rolling walls to all of that kind of stuff. The unteachable person would stay sanding for a very long time. <laughs> let me tell you, it was not enjoyable, and usually those ones didn't make it. Um, but are we teachable? Do we have a teachable spirit about us? I believe that no matter what stage we are in life, there's always something to learn. It doesn't matter where you're at. Everyone has something to learn. The moment we lose that ability to learn, we plateau. We level out, and that's as far as we're going to go. So be teachable. If someone has all three of these qualities, faithful, available, and teachable, then I would say there's someone that we can extend trust to and start to mentor and disciple. And in these kinds of situations, you have to extend that trust first. It's not earned right off the bat. They can lose that trust, but trust has to be given first before it can be taken away. So I want to encourage you with that to extend trust to people and take a chance on them when you see that they're faithful, available, and teachable. These are the all-star players on the team worth every bit of extra effort. Investing in someone else's life takes intentionality and effort, for sure. And it's not always easy, and it definitely involves disappointment and failures because we're all messy people, but it's worth it every single time. In the next part of this passage, I believe Paul was giving Timothy some hints on what it takes to see the most fruit, grace, harvest, and fulfillment for Timothy in the kingdom of God. These next few verses are, are setting the stage for Timothy to recognize some key things that he needs to hone in on to be able to go the distance. And as we look at them, I just want to encourage us to let the Holy Spirit Try to lie each, each of us, myself included, in the areas that he wants to do work in. Maybe there's, there's something there that's like, hey, that, that's something I could, I could work on with Jesus a little bit. What kind of shift do we need to make in our in-between? How, long, how should we be living our lives no matter what kind of in-between we find ourselves in? I posed some questions earlier on in this morning um, that we c- can help us through this section. You know, what does my role in the church look like today? What is Jesus asking me to do today in my present situations? And what purpose has Jesus put in front of me that I can fulfill with him? So whether you're a brand new follower of Jesus or you've been around the block more times than you like to admit, these are questions for all of us. And we we all have a part to play, every single one of us, till the day we die. We all have a part to play. It doesn't stop ever. I'm not gonna lie. Again, it's not easy. Yes, God works all things for the good of those called according to his name. And yes, God desires to bless us. But there is another side to that coin. And he says in verse 3, Share in suffering. Such encouragement, right? (laughs) Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. Which brings me to the first thing that I believe Paul was trying to get through to Timothy. Be one who is devoted. One who is devoted, no matter what. Something that all soldiers have in common is that they are laser-focused on mission. They know what they've been asked to do. They know what they've been called to do, and they're going to go for it. They have a willingness to do whatever it takes to please the one who enlisted them. They don't get distracted because the guy beside them has a newer set of boots than they do, you know, or because the other guy's gun has a nice camel wrap on it while theirs is just painted black, right, thinking of soldiers. No, (laughs) they know what they're there for and they won't let just petty things distract them. They simplify the things in their life to keep them from getting pulled off mission. They know why they're there and they're there for a purpose. Because of this determination, they can endure extreme circumstances and suffering for the sake of the cause. As Jesus followers, when we step out on a mission, we can expect pushback. We can expect suffering. It's part of taking up our cross, church. It's laying down what we want in life at times because Jesus has called us to something else. One thing Ken told us years ago, and I might have shared this before, but was, When you step out to do something big for Jesus and you're like, yes, I'm going to do it, make sure you duck (laughs) because the enemy's going to throw everything he's got at you to try and get you off course and derailed and off track with the mission that God's put you on. Kate mentioned last week that the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's biblical. That's what he's there for. He wants to do that. He wants to take away the mission from us. But let's remember that we have the grace of God active in our lives, just as Paul started off telling Timothy. His power active in our lives. Now, this is what Paul was writing about even in Philippians 4.13, when he said, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The grace of God gives us the power and strength to endure all things. We are followers of Jesus. He's the one who enlisted each one of us. He's our commanding officer, so it's him that we should be seeking to please, and him alone. Amen? His mission should be what we are laser-focused on 24-7. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them the commands that Jesus taught those first disciples because it's been passed through the generations. You know, if we're finding ourselves too busy to do what he's asking us to do, then I would suggest that we should be prayerfully considering what changes we need to make so that we can move from our A to B in our walk with Jesus. And I'm preaching that to myself this morning as well. Is there things I'm getting too busy with to accomplish what Jesus is asking me to do? Let's bring his mission back into the in-between. Be one who is devoted. Number two, is one who is honest. In verse 5, it says, An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. I actually quoted that to Corbin last night playing cards because he cheated. (laughs) And then he went to the lowest position in that game because he fessed up. Quote scripture in games, it works. (laughs) As followers of Jesus, we need to go about our lives with honesty and integrity. No one likes it when someone cheats. And to be honest, no one even likes it when an ump or a ref makes a bad call in the game, right? So no one likes a cheater. We played a game at youth this week called manhunt. So if you're noticing, my arms are all marked up. We were playing a game. It's not from home rentals or anything like that. I try and be safe when I'm doing that stuff. Youth's a different story. But where the game is where one team goes out and hides all around the property, and then the other team starts in the building here. Then they go out, and they have to try and find the other team. When you find someone, you run after them, you have to tag them, and then they go to jail. Now, if you take someone, say Caitlin was running away from me, I tagged her, she started walking towards the jail, and then I went off to go find the next person, Caitlin notices I'm not paying attention to her anymore, and she just takes off and hides again, that kind of defeats the point of the game, and I'd be really frustrated with her, and I would let her know, (laughs) because I'm competitive, not because I want to get her in trouble. But um, the same could be said if you got tagged and denied and kept running. It'd be just super frustrating. I got tagged, and there was no denying I got tagged. I mean, I was hiding up in the bushes up there. They were coming in from all sides because Paula was giving them hints. Thanks, Paula. And so I tried to go running out of the bush. Did not end well. Face planted. The kid that was chasing me, one of our high schoolers, tackled me. It was game over. And... Yeah, it was fun. So if you ever want a good show, come to Youth, and you'll see how the youth are much more rubbery than I am at this point in my life. But Jesus gave us clear instruction on how we are to live our lives. And that all boils down to loving God and loving people. We need to keep in the Word constantly, to keep it fresh in our minds how Jesus intended us to live and lead in our lives. As we engage in mission as Jesus Church, we cannot be fake. We cannot be fake. We have to keep it real. We have to lead with honesty and integrity. And when I say lead, each one of us leads in a different capacity in our own lives. We have people in our lives that we are leading as Christ followers, ultimately, hopefully, leading them to Jesus, because that's what we want. We want to help people find Jesus. It can be difficult to lead with honesty and integrity. But as we work with people, train and raise others in the ways of Jesus, we, we just have to. We have to keep honest. We have to keep real all at once. You know, that can involve showing us, showing where we have gone wrong or failed at times. You know, to help them keep from, to, to help them navigate those same things that we faced in life only better. You know, when we can learn from someone else's mistakes sometimes, it can better us and help us in our own walk, right? And just like that, we need to be able to to show people that are following us that we don't have it all together all the time. We're not always perfect. Actually, we're never perfect. Let me correct that. We're not perfect people. We make mistakes. We stumble, we trip, we fall. But we get back up, and then we call to the person behind us. Hey, there's a root there. Don't trip on that. It hurts. <laughs> okay? So as we follow Jesus, as we commit to walking with him, be one who is honest. And then third, one who is dedicated. Verse 6 said, it "Is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Successful farmers are hard workers. They get their land ready in the fall, plant seeds, tend to their crops all year, and harvest it towards the fall. If a farmer decides to skip any one of these steps, they will not be successful. You know, if they forget to plant the seeds, they're not going to get anything. If they don't water all year, they're just going to have a bunch of burnt tomatoes, right? They have to to keep everything in there and be committed to it, dedicated to it. They must be dedicated and diligent in everything they do. And as followers of Jesus, we are able to be dedicated to the work of God's kingdom. Jesus has called all of us to have a hand on the plow, to be laborers for him. Jesus chose to use people to advance his kingdom, and he called them his church. So as a church, if we want to see communities transformed for Jesus, to see his redemptive power work in the hearts and lives of friends and families, then we must be committed and dedicated to spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus to everyone that we can everyone we can. It starts with action and it ends with words. (laughs) Then you see that we're different and then that will lead to a conversation where we can let them know why we're different. The final verse in this passage reads, think over what I say for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. So I'd ask everyone here and everyone joining us online as well today to think over these things. Think over these things, ponder them, Commit them in your heart. What is Jesus asking of me today? So there's three action points that we can all take today. Number one is we can accept the gift of grace. Now maybe you're here today or you're tuned in online and you've never actually accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You, maybe you've never made that step of saying, you know what, I got stuff in my life I don't know what to do with, but I believe you do, Jesus. Jesus. I've made mistakes, I've made errors, I am far from a perfect being, but Jesus looks over that and he says, no, I see you for what I created and I want to make you whole by my grace. If that's you today, maybe I could ask everyone to just close their eyes and bow their heads in the room. If that's you today, just, if you could just slip your hand up and I'd like to pray with you this morning. Awesome. I see your hand. If you're, do, if you're online and this is you online today, after the service, shoot us a message on Facebook or Instagram or call the church, email us. You can find that on our website, fwcchurch.ca, and we would love to be in contact with you. But just repeat this prayer after me as I pray. Lord Jesus, I welcome you into my life. I recognize that I am not perfect. I make mistakes, that I fail all the time. But Jesus, I ask you to come into my life. I confess you as Lord and Savior, and I thank you for your gift of grace that gives me the power to overcome the negatives in my life. So Jesus, I thank you for coming into my heart. In your name, amen. Amen. For everyone who did that online or in person, man, that is awesome. Way to go, church. And for the rest of us, let's continue to recognize the power of God in our lives, that when we are saved by grace, it doesn't stop when we say the prayer the first time. His grace continues to be active in our lives every single day. So every day, that's a prayer to start the day off with. Lord, Let me have a fresh revelation of your grace in my life. Second one is to be a fat person, okay? Giving you permission. Be faithful, available, and teachable. (laughs) And then finally, find your one. Find your one. Now, who is one person in your life that you can reach, disciple, or mentor? And actually do all three of those with. So I believe that when you're discipling or mentoring someone, um... To be a follower of Jesus, it starts before salvation even. It starts with a walk with them. So find your one person. Just as Paul found Timothy, each one of us can find one person. It doesn't matter what stage of life you're at, even if you're at the in-between and don't even know where the destination is that you're going to. There, These are three things that we can all do in our journey. So before we go, I'd just like to pray for you guys. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every single person here and those that have joined with us online. I thank you for your gift of grace that gives us the strength and courage to endure all things. Lord, I pray that as, as we step out in faith, as we are devoted people following you, Jesus, that you would give us the ability to withstand things that come against us, that we'd be able to stay focused on your mission, Jesus, and that we would find those teachable people those faithful people, accountable people, Jesus, that we can pour everything into. So God, as as we go out today, we just pray that we would just recognize you active in our lives, in your name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, church, as you go this morning, and enjoy that sunshine out there.